a beautiful hymn, a number of those hymns this morning. And even the psalm reading just really struck me. Um, as Andrew said from Psalm 7, if a man not repent, God will wet his sword. What a picture that is. It's a picture of a God is, who is serious about sin and judgment and, and death. And, and at the same time, in the call to worship, we heard about John, who sees the Son of God risen, the Alpha and the Omega. And, and Nancy leaned over to me and she said, you know how glorious that vision was, but what, what's John beholding now? What a thought that is. What is John seeing now in the glory, in the presence of God? It just gives me uh, those goosebumps, you know, to think about uh, the goodness of God and the ancient words that John has written down for us, inspired by the Spirit and Peter and Paul and, and those who have laid their eyes on Jesus and walked with him and talked with him, and they have given us the testimony that they've seen and communicated that to us in the Word of God, and this Word of God has been handed down from generation to generation. We are not new Christians in the year 2022. We're not a, a new church. We're not just established in the 21st century, but we're part of the history of God's redemptive work, God's work that has started from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, and he made a promise to Adam and Eve that he would send a redeemer, and he's been carrying out that plan of redemption ever since, and it found its pinnacle in the arrival of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who then, of all things he does when he comes into the world, he dies. And you would have thought, it's over. The Messiah has died. It's finished. This was the redemption that God promised? No, it wasn't, because Jesus then rose again and he's reigning, and he's in heaven, and he's prepared to forgive those who call on him. He is prepared to give salvation to the sinner who repents of his sin and turns to him for forgiveness. And if not, God says his sword is wet, and you will receive that judgment instead of laying it on the Lord Jesus Christ in your place. And so, we have a glorious gospel. Um, as uh, Brother Gary will often say in the evening service, uh, what a God, what a gospel. Um, I think that's what it is, uh, he says. And, and indeed, what a God, what a gospel. So we're going to continue to go through the gospel of John this morning. We've been going through this book for some time now. And so I invite you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. These verses that we're about to read, they mark the beginning of Jesus's final week of life on earth, leading to his trial, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven, and his exaltation as king. This is the final week is before us. John chapter 12, we will look this morning at verses 1 to 26. Hear the word of God written for you and I, beloved. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. 
So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Thus concludes the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the powerful testimony that it has carried throughout the ages. We thank you that it is enduring and abiding. It will never perish, spoil, or fade. Uh, your word is everlasting, and you have given us a glorious testimony here of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Savior of all mankind. May you bless us this morning as we hear your word preached and as we hear it proclaimed. 
May Christ be honored among us and exalted. May we see him rightly, Lord God, that we might not even dare to lift ourselves above him. We pray that you would bless us by your spirit this morning, for it is in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So after the Sanhedrin solidified their plot to kill Jesus, that's what we looked at last week, John noted specifically that the Passover of the Jews was at hand. You see that in chapter 11, verse 55. And that time reference tells us that Jesus is now, as this, these events are happening, he's just a few days away from accomplishing what he set out to do. What did Jesus set out to do and to accomplish? Well, he came into the world to willingly offer himself up, and this is what John has said from the very beginning, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so what that tells us about Jesus is that Jesus and his death on the cross was, Jesus was not a victim of some kind of oppression or world force, right? Jesus wasn't a victim that oppressive rulers were able to have their way with Jesus, but no, Jesus actually came to offer his life. His life was not taken from him, Jesus says. He says, you would have no authority to pilot over me unless it were given to you by God. But I come to give my life and lay it down of my own accord for sinners. Jesus, the Son of God, came to do that, that we might be redeemed. And, and at the same time, he, he didn't just come because he only specifically wanted to redeem us, but he also came in order to establish his kingdom, right? He came because when he created the heavens and the earth and he created man on the earth, man fell and Satan fell from heaven and man fell into sin and his creation became corrupt. Now Christ is reigning in the glories of heaven as God, but he came also to reestablish that kingdom and his reign and rule over all of creation. And so Jesus came to save sinners, to save them, and also to bring them into his kingdom his kingdom that will one day reign. It is reigning. He is reigning now, but it'll one day be consummated in, a, in that kingdom when he comes back and puts an end to all sin and death. They wanted to make him king. Remember that. They wanted to make him king on earth. After he fed the 5,000, they wanted him to be their earthly king that they could follow. He would meet their needs. He would give them comfort. He would make everything in this life okay. And Jesus did what? He went and hid himself from them. And the reason Jesus went and hid himself from them is because Jesus had a very specific plan and a very specific kingdom. And his plan was to go to the cross and to die. And so all of this we've been seeing is being, has been ordained by God. God has been working through history, working through Jesus' ministry, leading people to do specific things and guiding the account of history in order to bring this moment, this hour for which Jesus came to its proper fulfillment. And so God the Father, sovereignly guiding the course of history, 
so that in the end his son might be glorified and that his son might be honored through it. We ought never to forget that. Salvation is not specifically about me and you. It's not all about us. As much as the world wants to tell us to think about ourselves, to do good for yourself, to, to serve yourself, to love yourself, the reality is that as believers who have been redeemed by Christ, it is not all about you and me. But it is about the honor of God the Father's Son and the glory that he receives because he is exalted back to his rightful place and we are actually recipients of that, and we have the privilege of actually giving that honor to Christ who deserves it. Not to honor ourselves, but to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter 1, verse 20 to 21. He, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, it is for us, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave who glory? Gave him glory. This is the Father's desire to glorify his Son. Now, this is where this passage is so awesome. It's so awesome because before Jesus goes to die on the cross for the sin of his people to make peace with God, before he comes to finally inaugurate his kingdom, God the Father wants to proclaim loud and clear to the watching world that this Jesus, the one that you are about to crucify, the one you are about to hang on the cross and put to death, this Jesus is the Lamb of God, the King of kings, and the Savior of the world. This is what God wants them to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you're going to kill him, if you're going to reject him, if you're going to crucify him, you must know that the one you are rejecting is who he said he is. And so this, this chapter actually elevates the Lord Jesus in that way. And God ordains all of these events we read, he ordains them to articulate this to the people, to say, make sure you see who it is you're rejecting. And how does he do that? Well, he, he does that in three ways. When it comes to the Lamb of God, we're going to look at it this morning. What Mary does with Jesus when he anoints him is to anoint him as the Lamb of God and to honor him. So we're going to start by looking at that this morning. In the first 11 verses, beautiful scene. The Passover's at hand. John tells us, if you see there, it's six days away. And Jesus is headed back to Bethany, and Bethany's about two miles outside Jerusalem. And so most likely then, this would have been Saturday, which according to the Jewish day reckoning started on Friday evening. This is how they calculated days. So Friday evening is when Jesus goes back to Bethany. And so if Jesus arrives in Bethany that Friday evening, just as the Sabbath began, the dinner that's described here in verse 2 probably occurs on the Sabbath, the Saturday evening. 
And so the sun goes down on the Sabbath, Saturday evening. They have their dinner. And when the Sabbath uh, goes, the sun officially goes down and the Sabbath ends, there's a large crowd of Jews. You see that in verses 9 to 11 that come to see Jesus. And then the next day, Sunday, there's this triumphal entry. But this dinner is held in his honor at the house of Simon the leper. This is according to Mark 14.3. You might think it's Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house, but it's actually at Simon the leper's house. And so Simon the leper, no doubt, wants to invite Lazarus and Mary and Martha, all those who were with Jesus. He had just risen him, Lazarus from the dead. So they want to give this dinner in honor of Jesus. And so Martha is there serving, and Lazarus is there reclining at the table with Jesus. And it's during this time, just after this dinner, you can just, just a side note, they had this beautiful dinner, and we're going to read what happens there, but it's as a result of this dinner that Judas, Judas actually sees it, and the honor that's given to Jesus and what happened, which we'll see, and this is when he goes out to betray Jesus. After this dinner, he leaves, and he says he wants to make a deal to betray Jesus and to give him over to the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver. And so what happened at this dinner that, that caused Satan to enter into the heart? This is what John says in John 13 too, right? Satan entered into the heart of Judas to betray him. What happened? Well, here's what happened. Verse 3, Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Let's give a little perspective on this. What is this expensive ointment? Well, the, the word a pound, it, it, it can also refer to ounces. And so we're talking about 11 ounces of this pure nard. It's about a little bit less than the size of a, of a can of soda. It's a large quantity of oil. It's extracted from this root and spike of the nard plant that grows in India. And it was pure, which means it wasn't watered down. It wasn't mixed with anything. And this is why it was so expensive. And, and John says, well, actually, Judas is the one that points out that its value is 300 denarii. 300 denarii. How much is that? Well, a denarii is about a day's wage for a common laborer. And so considering Sabbath days and holidays, we're talking about uh, a whole year's wage worth of perfume. And if you put that into our calculations now, with inflation and all that as well, $17 an hour minimum wage, right? A day's wage, eight hours a day, this is that minimum. You're talking forty dollars to $41,000 worth of, of ointment, 11, 11 ounces of ointment. And so Mary takes the entire contents of it, the whole thing, $40,000 of it, and anoints Jesus with it. The other gospels say that she anointed his head, um, and John says that she anointed his feet. But there's, no, there's not a contradiction there. It's, it's just a matter of emphasis. 
when Matthew and Mark are talking about the anointing, they are, they are pointing to the fact that, they, that she anointed his head because they are trying to emphasize the fact that Jesus is king. This is what they did in the Old Testament. When King David was anointed, he had it poured over his head. But when John is emphasizing it, he's emphasizing his feet. And the reason he's emphasizing his feet is not because he's not saying they didn't put it on his head, but he's saying it was so much and so lavish that it even went all the way down to his feet. It, it, his whole body was anointed. And this is what Jesus also says in the other Gospels. They anointed my body for my burial, right? So John is just emphasizing the feet as a way of saying his whole body was anointed with this oil. All of it poured over the Lord Jesus. And so John is making that emphasis. And in any case, this act of Mary to do this was an act of humble devotion. It's an act of love. It's an act of gratitude for Jesus. Whatever anyone else might have thought about the cost, whatever anyone else might have thought about her letting down her hair and wiping his feet, she thought there is nothing too great and nothing too good to bestow on Jesus. Remember, she had walked with him for three years. She had sat under, or at least seen him for over these three years at various times, sat at his feet in the days gone by, listened to his teaching. And I think she found herself there at that moment at peace and contentment in his presence. And I think she understood that through him, her sins are pardoned. Her soul was restored. Even her own family member, Lazarus, was risen from the dead. And so she's seeing Jesus, and her heart is just pouring out to Jesus to honor him. And she's thinking, there is nothing else that I need in the world but to be in the, in the presence of Jesus. I don't really need anything because all that I need is found in this Jesus who is in my presence. And so she takes that ointment, and all she could think of is, I need to show him how much I love him. She was so greatly loved by Jesus that she couldn't show him any more love. She couldn't repay him. Having freely received, she freely gave, and she just poured it all out on Jesus. Honor, respect, recognition, and a complete love for her Savior. I don't know. I don't know to what extent each of our hearts are this morning, but there's something for us to consider here as we think about Christ and we think about our lives and we think about living before him. And there's something to wonder, do we honor Christ in this way? It's not about if you're thinking, well, I'm not going to give all of this money. You're thinking like Judas, and it's not even about the money. That's the point. It's not about the money. It's not about the finances. It's not about anything that you do specifically. What Mary did, it wasn't about what Mary did from Mary's perspective, right? Mary is just saying, 
I love Jesus and I love him more than anything in the world and I am just willing to give myself and all that I have to follow Christ. That's what faith is. That's what faith does. It, it honors Jesus. It elevates Jesus. It looks to Jesus more than anything else in the world. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And what that also means is when it comes to Jesus, everything else in the world falls out to the side. It, it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that I could be with Christ. And this is how Mary honors him. Now, here is the awesome thing about honoring Jesus in this way, when your heart is in that right place, is that God ordains this act through Mary to anoint his feet and wipe it with her hair, but it means more than Mary even realizes. What Mary is doing is something so significant that God has put in his plans of redemption to picture and to honor Jesus and to elevate him even more than Mary could even begin to realize. And I just thought about that from our perspective. As we come to Christ and we honor him, sometimes we think we're giving Jesus so much, we're going to elevate his name, we're going to preach his name, and we don't realize that God is using all that we do for an even greater glory that belongs to him that we can't even imagine. And that's kind of what happens here with Mary. Because Mary, in anointing Jesus, in anointing Jesus, Mary's act of love she didn't even intend this, but by anointing him, Jesus tells them in verse 7 that she's anointing the Lamb of God. She's anointing him for his coming burial, for his coming death and burial. In other words, the one who raised Lazarus from the dead is himself prepared to be a sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. He's going to deliver his people from sin. And the fragrance that she anoints him with, not realizing it, it fills the entire house. And so does the fragrance of Christ's death and crucifixion. It fills the fragrance of the entire world. It extends throughout the whole world to say this is the Lamb of God. Now, not all people honor Jesus that way, do they? Believers, beloved, you and I ought to honor him that way. We ought to think about first honoring Christ before we think about anything else, okay? First, Jesus, honoring him before you think about anything else. Don't think about good works before you put Jesus in his right place. Don't think about what you offer to God before you put Jesus in his right place. Because you may go through life thinking that all of your good works and all of your efforts and all of your going to church and all of your helping poor people and all of your feeding the poor and all of these things that you're doing, you may switch that up and put it on top and all the while your heart is not adoring and not loving Jesus at all. Why do I put it that way? Because this is exactly what Judas was doing. Because when Judas saw the perfume poured out on Jesus by Mary, what does Judas say? Judas looks at the perfume and says, hey, hey, hey. What a self-righteous thing. What a self-righteous piety. Why wasn't this ointment, why wasn't it sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
What are you doing honoring Jesus like this? Wasting this money, wasting your time when you could have taken that money and you could have distributed it to the poor. And of course, John tells us, because he's there, remember, the gospel is written by John, he's there. John tells us, as he's telling the whole church, he's saying, you know what? The reason Judas said this is not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. You see, from Judas's perspective, his heart was cold, and his heart was dark, and his heart was stingy when it came to, to the things of the world, because he only looked at it from the perspective of what he could get out of his relationship to Jesus. And he made a good show of his words, walking with Jesus and talking with Jesus, feeding the poor and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, all he really cared about was not honoring Christ. He cared about himself, right? So for us, Jesus and honoring him must be first. This is part of the problem in our world today where you see Christian churches engaging entirely, completely, in like social activism. And the whole church becomes about social activism. It becomes about helping this social group and helping that social group and helping these people and helping these people. And they become so consumed with doing all these things in the world that perhaps some people have forgotten to stop and to consider who it is that really needs to be honored here. And are we really honoring Christ in these things that we're doing? Have we elevated Christ as the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world? Have we elevated Jesus as the only means of salvation? Or are we trying to get into the world and do all these social things thinking that that's going to bring salvation to people, and it's not? Jesus first, good works second. Self-righteous piety self-righteous piety. And so Jesus rebukes him. And it's very fitting. He could have exposed Judas's heart and his thievery there, as John did. But in Jesus's long-suffering, knowing that Judas is a traitor from the very beginning, Jesus continues to do for Judas what he has done the whole time, he actually gives Judas an opportunity for repentance. I mean, isn't that amazing? Jesus knows Judas is a traitor, and he doesn't call him out for it. He still says to him, as he said to Judas the whole time in his ministry, not all believe. Remember he said that? I know not all of you, not all will believe me. Judas heard that. He said to, to Judas and to all the disciples before, he says, I know that one of you is a devil, but he never called out Judas specifically. But he's doing this because there's a sense in which he's still calling Judas to repentance. And Jesus simply says in verse 7, leave her alone 
so that she, she may keep it for the day of my burial. Better translated, I think the sense is this, actually. Leave her alone. She has kept the ointment rather than sell it and give it to the poor in order to keep it for the day of my burial. That's the sense that it's actually put in. So Jesus is saying this, her keeping it and her not selling it has been ordained by God to keep it for this moment that she might anoint me for my burial. And then he says in verse 8, the reason he says also, listen, the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. That's in the sense of he's going to die and leave them and then be resurrected. And so this act is an honoring of Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and it's done in front of all the disciples, and it's done by Mary, and it's done with humility and love and gratitude for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you honor Christ, the Lamb of God? And do you love him? And are you committed to following him and serving him? Or are you consumed with yourself and the things of this world? That's the question. We are called to honor him and to remember his sacrifice. And the second thing is what we're going to cover next week. We're going to cover honoring him as king next week the triumphal entry. But I just want that to rest with us this morning. Have you seen Christ as your Savior? He's died on the cross for your sin, placed your faith in him, and trusted him. And do we love him this morning? I pray you do, and that you'll love him this week and honor him in all that you do. To the glory of his name, amen? Amen. amen? amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your kindness to us and your mercy to us and your patience with us. We know, Lord, that we often, we confess, we love to give honor and glory to ourselves. We love to look at our good works and we love to consider the things that we can do in this world, thinking that somehow that will either pay you back or thinking that somehow it will satisfy us, that somehow, Lord, we will be able to give you back what you have given to us. But we know that even whatever we give back to you, Lord, we know that it will never be enough. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to be like your servant Mary that we would be willing to give all for the glory of Christ and his name, that we would be servants of the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, not by compulsion and not because of greed and not because of any self-serving thing or motive that we have, but that we would just be fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and honoring him. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would always have the right place in our hearts and in our minds, that you would always be elevated in our thoughts and in our hearts. 
that we would not bring you down like Judas brought you down into this world and considered you only as valuable as 30 pieces of silver. What a shame. Lord, help us not to fall into such shame and disrepute. Keep us, O oh God, from the love of the world and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Keep us, O oh God, from clinging too closely to the things that we have in this world and from loving them so much. Let us be a people, O oh God, that live the life that you have called us to live with open hands, not clinging too tightly to our families, not clinging too tightly to our friends, not clinging too tightly to our money, not clinging too tightly to our children, not clinging so tightly to anything in this world that we lose our hold of the Lord Jesus. We know that we are prone to do that. But Father, we rejoice that in the end, it is not our holding on to Jesus that saves us, but it, it is his holding on to us. So we pray for forgiveness, Lord, where we have not honored you as we ought to have. Lord Jesus, we pray and thank you for the mercy that you have shown us, that you have lavished on us. We thank you for coming into this world as the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. We know how guilty and stained we were. We know, O oh Lord Jesus, just how much we offended you, and yet you have forgiven us much. Each of us here, Lord, could confess, I'm sure, for hours and days and months how much we really deserved to die, but we know that you have paid it all. Thank you, Lord. May you be honored in our hearts this morning. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.